Welcome to the Kids Math Talk Podcast, where in each episode, we give parents and educators practical tips and insights that will deepen mathematical understanding while also encouraging the conversation about math to remain active and positive. I'm your host, Desiree Harrison, elementary math coach and Kids Math Talk founder. We're talking about the annual Math Equity Conference. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Desiree. It's great to be here. My name is Jamela Reiser, and I'm the executive director of the Delaware Mathematics Coalition. I've been in the position with the coalition since 2007. And during that time, we've continued to evolve and grow as an organization. We're very committed to supporting increased opportunities for students to get the best possible mathematics experiences and to promoting equitable teaching and learning in Delaware classrooms. We invest heavily in professional learning for teachers, coaches, and administrators, and it's a a job I love. It doesn't feel like a job. It's a passion to me. And um, we have a very vibrant mathematics education community here in Delaware. So it's a real privilege to be able to serve in this role. I found out about the Delaware Math Coalition and this upcoming annual Math Equity Conference on Twitter. And you were speaking to how you got involved with the coalition and a little bit about the goals for the coalition. But can you tell us a little bit more specifically about the upcoming conference? Sure. Well, we've been in existence, as I said, for for some number of years, like more than 14 years. We became a nonprofit a few years back. And there was a point along our journey as a group of leaders that we decided if we could only have one annual conference, what would we focus on? We do a lot of professional learning. And as many of the people in the audience probably can relate to, much of that professional learning went to virtual learning in the last year. But we really do engage meaningfully with lots of teachers, coaches, and administrators in the state, typically in a face-to-face environment, although I think we learned a lot during the last year about expanding our reach, which will make it possible for us to do more than what we've done in the past. But we decided that if we could only do one annual conference, our focus needed to be on equity. And the rationale for that is because we're very invested in thinking about systems and structural level changes and how we can really meaningfully make impact and sustainable um, shifts in Delaware classrooms. And we feel like there's it's a complex issue. There's so many facets to making improvements, but we believe that all teachers can learn, all students can learn. We can all get better and we all are evolving. So we decided that in order to really make the kind of impact, we would need to focus on equity as a framework through which we looked at all of the kinds of initiatives we were trying to support over time. And so I think this is actually the fifth annual Math Equity Conference that we're going to be hosting on October 8th. And we're very fortunate because this year we're partnering with our state Delaware Department of Education and it's a statewide in-service day. So that affords us yet a bigger opportunity to reach more teachers in the state because all of the districts in the in the state will actually have an in-service day. Doesn't limit us to just Delaware participants, obviously. Last year was the first year we did a virtual conference and our keynote speakers 
authors for last year. One of them was Amanda Jansen, who had just put out the spring before Rough Draft Math Revising to Learn. And so we invested a lot of energy that day thinking about rehumanizing the mathematics classroom. And our closing keynote was Amani Goffney, and she's from University of Maryland. It was just the most amazing opportunity for us to all think about these ideas together. This year, our keynote is Dr. Michael Flynn from Mount Holyoke College. And that's how our Math Equity Conference came to be. We do more than one annual conference, but we said if we're just going to do one, we really need to make sure that equity is the, the center focus of that work. In everything that you just said, it like oozes intentionality. And just that idea of using the state in service day is so brilliant because then everybody's working together, not just in one school or one district, but you have that larger mission. And that it seems like that is definitely a positive thing to help with these changes that so many in the math ed community are trying to make. There are all these shifts that are trying to be made. So why not work smarter instead of everybody trying to develop their own? Yeah, to your point, the coalition leadership is comprised of stakeholders from Delaware school districts, from the Department of Education leadership with, within the mathematics realm, business partners and higher ed. So we have really a wonderfully diverse group of stakeholders who serve as part of our leadership core for guiding the mission and vision of the coalition. And we're very, very fortunate because to your point, Desiree, you really need stakeholders, especially if we're trying to change things at a systems level. You really need stakeholders from these different groups to work together, moving in the same direction, right? And we couldn't be more grateful that our partners at the universities and at the Department of Education really are invested in the same kinds of changes that we're working towards as an organization. So it makes a difference. And I think it helps us leverage greater momentum as a, as a group of communities, right? One area that we're really still working on, and that's why it's, I'm so grateful to you for inviting me to be a part of this podcast, is one of our core equity-focused priorities, a more promising vision of who can do mathematics. And that core, particular core focus is really about working with educators, working with community members, and really changing our perceptions about who can do math, what it means to do math, who gets to be seen as good at math in the classroom. All of those factors play into our goal of really trying to inspire this love of, of learning mathematics. I can just imagine like how much energy is in that room too when you're planning something like this and you know that you're not alone or that you're not doing this in isolation. So so just to learn a little bit more about the conference. So every year it has a different theme and right and this year's theme is redefining mathematical identities and creating positive, memorable experiences for all learners. And on the podcast, we talk a lot about building positive math identities. And we also talk a lot about definitions and how definitions help us build shared understanding so that we can have the same images in our mind. And so that when we are speaking to one another, we're actually, we really are speaking the same language because we have the same background. So what does it mean to redefine a mathematical identity? 
We've been studying issues of identity and agency for as long as I think I've been working in education. We look back to the years of Elizabeth Cohn's research with status and thinking about um, students' perceptions of themselves as math learners, teachers' perceptions, and really supporting every child in believing that they have the capacity to contribute meaningfully to the growth and the learning of the community, of the math learning community. So it's individual, yes, because we want all students, obviously, to know and to believe that math's something that they can flourish in. Uh, we had Francis Sue as our keynote speaker for the Equity Conference two years ago, just before the pandemic hit. We were very fortunate that he had released his book and came and did his wonderful talk about math for human flourishing. And when you think about people in this country and all that's happened over the course of the last few years in terms of just very difficult conversations we've had to have about equity and access and social justice and all of those issues that matter to us as educators. You know, we believe in public education. We believe it can make a difference. And we believe that the diversity of the strengths that students bring to the classroom actually adds much value incredible value. But we need to work together as a group of individuals to really think about how do we change the structures and the systems and adapt them so that we can help every child believe that they're capable, that they bring incredible value to the classroom. So Mike Flynn is going to do this talk that really centers on these core principles that will help to build positive identities in the classroom. We know that there are facets of what he's going to do that we've connected with as a community over the years, but there's always more to learn. And we're interested in not just thinking about the big ideas, because we know big ideas are things you have to keep working on over time. Like you're not going to change people's beliefs in a single day, right? Like beliefs are things that happen, change over time. So our hope is there will be some cognitive dissonance. There will be things that make people a little uncomfortable or make people think about things in a way that will ignite some ideas in their mind about different things they want to think about going forward. But ultimately, it's the day-by-day -day work of working with children and trying to figure out how we can create those environments. We've been looking at tracking as a perfect example of one really challenging systems level dilemma that we have. Our approach has been to think about it from the perspective of how are you in your work in classrooms and systems and structures, ensuring that you're serving the needs of all children, all children, and really analyzing decision-making from the perspective of, are you in some way putting a block or a barrier or removing an opportunity for children, some subset of children in your communities for whatever reasons? And sometimes people unknowingly make decisions that impact, right? Some number of years ago, I remember we had a big initiative and the initiative was really intended to serve underrepresented students in our middle schools. But at the time, we had this amazing coalescing around high quality instructional materials and unintended consequence was that some of the districts actually made choices to go to something different. And in the end, what we ended up with was 
sort of more of a sifting and sorting situation, which is not what we were planning or not what was intended with the initial goal. So every little decision we make, we have to really think about it from the perspective, who gets to be at the table and who's making that decision? Because sometimes these decisions about who gets to be at the table on route for calculus or on route for data science, which is obviously something we need to be thinking long and hard about right now, those decisions are sometimes made in the best interest of some kids, but ultimately diversity of of school populations aren't reflected in those decisions in the ways that we would really hope for. So none of us think this is an easy challenge that we're trying to help support every child getting the most vibrant and robust opportunities in schools. But I think working together, we can make it happen. I'm very proud that I'm a public educator and that we're working together to make it better. And my background, I was born in Afghanistan. So I have a cultural background that's different from maybe some other people in our community. But what it's taught me is that, um, you know, my father grew up in a village where nobody could read or write beyond third grade. And yet something about schooling motivated him. And he came to this country and he studied and he learned and he went back to Afghanistan and he had us and then we all came back. And so I've always looked at public education as the opportunity. It's the way we can actually, you know, provide every child with the best possible opportunities in life. So I firmly believe we can do that if we work together. And I may have a naively optimistic view. I don't know. But I think that's why I'm so excited and passionate about the work we do, because I see that we can make a difference if we work together. What you're saying falls in line with the NCTM's Catalyzing Change series and just about the key recommendations made in um, in those books. And yeah, just everything that you just said is like, that's an inspiring story. In you sharing that, it's going to, you know, inspire somebody else to shift or to, to do something. So, so thank you for sharing that piece of yourself. You're welcome add that I think I'm seeing our national organizations, you mentioned NCTM, I'm seeing our national organizations actually evolving in terms of their willingness to take a stand, even when it might not be sort of the standard what everybody's doing. I think, you know, that that's really important for stakeholders like us who have boots on the ground when we can look to our national organizations who are willing to take a stand on really important issues. So, you know, maybe tracking is still pervasively an issue and everybody in lots of lots of, you know, there are lots of places where it's still happening. So you could make the choice of no, we can't do that because that's just sort of the, the standard, but that's not what's happening. And I really think that those of us who are in states working with teams of leaders really appreciate when we can look to these national organizations who are willing to explicitly put out a stand that says, you know what, this is perpetuating systems of injustice and discrimination, and this has to stop. And so those clear and bold statements are really what's going to help us all leverage the kinds of shifts we need to make in our schools. Yeah, I completely agree. It is just that feeling again that we're in this together and it's not it's not competing missions. To your point, we've had in our history of work with stakeholders, we have to be willing to acknowledge that sometimes our approaches haven't always garnered the kind of momentum that we would like. And so I think 
as we are continuing to evolve in our own sort of understanding of how to work with people and how to work with systems, we have to back up and think about like, how do we meet people where they are and ultimately open the conversation up so that there's a opportunity to make a shift and a step forward. So we're very careful, even in our conversations of tracking, to really think about it from the perspective of no one goes out there, we hope, to intentionally diminish opportunities for kids, right? We want to take the stance that everybody's invested, but there are decisions, let's be honest, that we make and structures and systems that actually are adversely impacting opportunities. So we step back and say, we all have this ultimate goal for every child to have those opportunities. What can we do to really move towards that system? So it may not be that you're going to be able to, like, with a flip of a switch, change everything because guess what? There are people involved. We're human beings and we are the sum of our experiences, right? And we've all had very different experiences. So I'm continuing to reflect in our work on how do we help support evolving our our beliefs in ways that can really productively interact and support the kind of positive changes that we want to make in our schools. There are so many passionate and caring people involved in public education who are trying to make a difference. That's why we went into this profession, because we believed and still believe that education is the equalizer. That is not to say there aren't a lot of things that we need to be thinking about improving, but that's what we do in every profession, right? We learn, we grow, we gather data, we try to support making things better. So we want to work hand in hand partners with community members and those that are out there who have a vested in their children getting the best possible opportunities to make it better for every child. I feel like everything that we've talked about today, teachers or whoever attends this conference will have the chance to continue reflecting on those ideas and hear from a a variety of other presenters, right? And so you told us that it's being held virtually and it's on October 8th of 2021. And so how can um, the listeners get involved and how much is the cost and what does the breakdown of the day look like? So because we're partnering with the Department of Education, there will be an opening at the beginning of the day from the governor of Delaware and from the Secretary of Education, who will be sending the message about how important this work around equity is, not just to, you know, our Delaware K-12 educators, but to the leadership of our state, the governor, you know, lieutenant governor and the Secretary of Education. That begins at 8.30. And then that keynote speaker is going to be really one that's going to speak to, her name is Dr. Nicole Lee Turner. She, that first keynote speaker is really going to be speaking to the work that's occurred over the last year and thinking about opportunity from the perspective of what's happened with technology and access and those kinds of issues. And then we'll break into our breakout strands and there will be multiple strands going on at one time and teachers will be able to select as you pointed out, their sessions and move into sessions. And then in the middle of the day is um, Dr. Flynn's keynote that you mentioned. And then we'll have another breakout and then we'll come back together for summary. So all told, it's 8.30 to 3.30. It is completely virtual. So teachers, educators from anywhere in the country. Last year, one of the things that came out of our first virtual conference was people from Texas, California, Connecticut, We're very grateful 
they expressed it in their feedback that they had the chance to be able to come in virtually and be a part of the experience. So we were very inspired by that. Like we can reach more people this way. While we love to be together in person, we thought let's for this year, given the circumstances, let's try to do another virtual. What I hadn't shared, Desiree, which I'm equally excited about, is this is actually a two-day conference. Day one is a math equity conference. So very focused on math and equity. So looking at everything we want to do in math through the lens of equity. Alana Horn is is has agreed to be one of our session leaders that day. We have a number of really wonderful people and we're still evolving our program for October 8th. So if we have speakers out there who really, people out there who are passionate about equity in mathematics, don't hesitate to reach out. We'd love to involve more people in the sessions. But the following day is uh, we broaden the focus to STEM equity. And it's a shorter conference. It starts at 9.30. I think it runs to 2. And Joe Bowler has agreed to be our keynote speaker for that day. Again, it's virtual. And one of the things we've asked Joe to speak to is the role of data science in K-20 education. You know, anyone out there in, in math education who's been reading, we know that data science is increasingly becoming an important area of focus. We think it's important and needs to be something we really reflect on deeply. We think all too often decisions, for example, about who gets to be in calculus are made early. And yet we think calculus is important and there are lots of you know students who should be going into calculus and there are lots of opportunities. We shouldn't close those doors. But we think there are many, many jobs in data science. And so if we're thinking about really providing maximum opportunity for students to graduate and go into fields and fields where they can earn a good income and really get a job right away, we think data science is something we should be stepping back and thinking a lot longer and harder about. So Joe is going to talk about that, but it it definitely is interwoven with all the issues of equity, right? And access and who's getting to be seen as um, good in math. So we're excited about the two days. You can come to day one or day two for, for $25. It's a bargain. We really do everything we can to offset the costs and make sure that it's economical for any stakeholder out there. If you come for both days, it's $40. And we'll put it out there on Twitter. Obviously, we would like to have anyone out there who's interested in equity, interested in issues of how to support all students in achieving the greatest possible dreams that they could ever have about mathematics and applying their skills. We would love them. One thing, Desiree, and it's it's a problem, it's a dilemma. So if there are folks out there who have answers, we'd love to hear from them. Um, we'd like to have a larger audience of administrators involved in this particular two-day workshop. Oftentimes, we get lots of teachers, lots of coaches, but we're always in interested in trying to get more administrators. So if there are some experts out there who have worked with administrators, particularly around this issue of equity and mathematics and thinking of things from a systems and a structural view, we invite them to reach out to us and let us know that maybe they'd like to be a part of helping us figure out how to get more administrators to the table. I think sometimes one of the reasons that we're challenged with progress is because we haven't really narrowed the focus of the work that we're thinking about doing. And I'm very proud of the leaders of the Delaware Math Coalition because I think that 
over the last two to three years, we've really stepped back to say, what do we really want to achieve? In our core equity focus, we said we want all teachers to love teaching math, and we want all students to love learning math. And at the end of the day, if we achieve those two things, we feel like we will have really accomplished our ultimate mission, right? Because in order to achieve those two things, we think you can't ignore issues of equity and systems and structural level change. You cannot ignore that teachers need opportunities to continue to continue to evolve their own knowledge, their own skills, to think about things in ways that really help support beliefs and practices changing over time, right? So we ended up with four core equity-focused principles. One relates to this community engagement, which is why I'm so grateful that you've invited me to talk to the audience of community members and parents today, is just promoting this vision of what it, who can do math, because we think it's too narrow. And it is part and parcel of the problem that we have. We have just sort of very old perceptions, misguided perceptions about what it means to do math, right? We believe students should develop strategic competence, for example, that strategic competence is an important facet of being good at math, that it isn't just about understanding strategies. Well, and I think we can do a better job of working to provide opportunities for parents to understand what that means, for teachers to understand what that means, because I believe firmly that we empower students through our mathematics work. And so as they feel empowered, that opens up doors and that opens up opportunities for them to do whatever they want to do. So that's one very important. Another area is nurturing best practices. So again, we can't make the kinds of changes if we're not willing to really study. And we do believe in content-focused work. So I will say that that's an important facet of our work, that math teachers need math mentors that we need to support teachers in getting better at analyzing their teaching, really from a very reflective lens, supporting school and district leaders. You can't make change happen if you don't engage school and district leaders in the vision and calibrating around a vision for what it means to to meaningfully engage in math. And then building these sustainable systems. And I feel very proud that that's an area where we have, I think, thrived as an organization, that we have structures in place. So those are kind of the areas of focus. And each of those, there's different initiatives that we're really trying to push forward to help promote moving together to inspire this love of teaching and learning mathematics. So I'm proud and very grateful for the opportunity to work with amazing people in our state and beyond our state. I'll be sure to link the registration to the show notes. I would like to thank you for your time today and giving us so much information about the conference and about the coalition itself. And again, I'll add registration information and links in the show notes. And I'm looking forward to this conference. We look forward to having you join us and others out there. We hope that they will take advantage of this wonderful opportunity. And Desiree, thank you again for reaching out, inviting me to be a part of this experience. So I'm very, very grateful for that. Share this podcast with your friends and colleagues to keep the Kids Math Talk conversation going. You can always tweet me with questions or comments using the handle at Kids Math Talk. You can also head to my website, kidsmathtalk.com slash podcast for previous episodes of this podcast. And join us next week for another episode of the Kids Math Talk podcast.